Chapter Two of the Life of Blessed John B. Marie Vianney, Cure of Ars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. The Life of Blessed John B. Marie Vianney, Cure of Ars by Anonymous. Chapter Two The Good pastor. When Jean-Baptiste Vianney entered his parish on that winter evening in February 1818, he quickly realized the religious indifference prevailing there, and the contrast in this respect to the kindly and religiously inclined Esculi. Upon his arrival no one came forward to bid him welcome. The very atmosphere of the neighborhood seemed cold and repellent. The people of that place, while not positively bad, were for the most part indifferent in the matter of their eternal welfare. Daily mass was attended by only two or three elderly women. For the most trivial excuse men neglected Sunday mass. Not one of them attended vespers, although at the same time the cafés of the village were crowded. Even the most devout of the women approached the sacraments but rarely, while the men, through human pride, neglected to make their Easter duty. In fact, one of their number begged the pastor to give him Holy Communion in the sacristy, so that no one might see him. Servile work of every kind was done on Sunday, and at harvest time the carts and wagons were in use during the entire day, carting souls to hell, as Father Vianney not inaptly expressed it. Not in a day were these conditions changed. Such a result required many years of effort. In time, however, divine grace triumphed, and the almost unknown parish of Ars became the glorious model for the whole of France. The spirit of religion was revived, public worship restored, and the Lord's Day unusually respected and observed. The parish formed, as it were, one large family in which each member vied with the other in the service of God. What had the young pastor done to thus transform his parish? He did nothing that any other country pastor may not attempt to do. As his parishioners did not come to him, he went to them in their homes. He was not satisfied with one formal visit but called repeatedly upon his people as their spiritual or temporal needs seemed to require. He timed his visits, for the most part, when the family were assembled for the noonday meal. He would enter the living room or stand at the threshold and chat in a friendly manner with the members of the household. Although invited to partake of their hospitality, he never accepted the least refreshment, not even a drink of water. He talked with them about their everyday life, their cares and anxieties, their hopes and disappointments. The people soon perceived that Father Vianney was one of themselves, and thus they learned to confide in him, and to ask his advice in their temporal affairs. Then, whenever occasion presented with great aptitude, he turned the conversation to things supernatural. At the same time, he was never insistent. His manner was always affable, never impatient, never reproving, even when he might justly have given reproof. 
This gentleness in his manner, which was only the reflex of the charity in his heart, soon won over his people, who now looked forward to his visits and considered themselves highly honored when he called. We have already had occasion to notice his defective memory, and how, in consequence, he was so greatly impeded in the prosecution of his studies. This drawback made itself particularly felt when he came to prepare his sermons. Many a sleepless night did the poor man devote to the preparation of the discourses to be given to his people, but his industry, strengthened by the divine assistance, conquered, so that while he never possessed the gift of oratory, he spoke easily, earnestly, and convincingly, and when, after years, the pilgrims poured into Ars, sometimes as many as twenty thousand in a single year, he was able to give his daily instruction from the pulpit without any special preparation and without the embarrassment which he had experienced at the beginning of his priestly career. In order to make the practice of religion more attractive to his parishioners, he sought to beautify and decorate the little parish church. In this work he was greatly aided by Mademoiselle Dars, sister of the Vicomte Dars, who himself generously provided the little church with new vestments and altar vessels. With the cooperation of his parishioners, who, day by day, were learning to appreciate their pastor's solid piety, he built two chapels as an addition to the parish church. One of these he dedicated to St. Philomena, a youthful martyr whose relics were recovered at Rome in the beginning of the nineteenth century. The other was placed under the invocation of St. John the Baptist, and in it stood the confessional of the Cure of Ars, the mercy seat, as it were, of the Almighty, at which untold thousands of souls were reconciled to their Creator. Despite the fact that the number of his friends and co-workers steadily increased, thus evidencing the fruitfulness of his labors, Father Vianney, in truth, looked to God alone for success in his undertakings. He realized that he was engaged with the evil spirit in a conflict for the souls of his people, and he had read in Holy Writ these words of Jesus Christ. But this kind of evil spirit is not cast out, except by prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Upon one occasion he recalled these words to a fellow priest, who was lamenting that he could obtain no results in his parish, although he had done all in his power to rouse his people from their indifference. Father Vianney said to him, "'You have done all in your power? Are you so sure of it? Did you fast and give alms?' Did you pray? By these questions, Father Vianney indicated what were the practices of his own life, which enabled him to obtain results little short of miraculous. His charity was boundless. The food, clothing, and other supplies which the generous Mademoiselle Dars sent for the rectory, as a rule, promptly found their way to the poor and needy. Father Vianney actually kept for himself only what was barely sufficient to ward off starvation. Even this modicum was frequently given away when a poor man came and asked for food. One evening, when Mr. Mandy, the mayor of Ours, came to visit the curé, he found him pale as death and apparently exhausted. Greatly alarmed, he exclaimed, "'Are you ill, Father Vianney?' 
"'Oh, my good friend,' the latter replied, "'you are just in time. I have nothing left to eat.' For three days Father Vianney had had no provisions whatever in the house, having bestowed the last of his potatoes upon a poor mendicant. He partook daily of but one meal, and that consisted generally of boiled potatoes, which he was accustomed to cook in a quantity sufficient to last through the week, so that oftentimes by Friday or Saturday what remained had become moldy. When his relatives came to see him, or if he had other visitors, he took pains to have a plain meal provided for them. Under no consideration would he allow any mention to be made of his mortification and self-denial. As with food, so also Father Vianney deprived himself of the various articles of clothing with which he had been supplied. Being accosted on his way home by a poor man whose feet were bare and sore, he divested himself of his own shoes and stockings, gave them to the mendicant, and returned home barefoot. Vianney was wont to declare, jestingly, that he had never left his overcoat anywhere. As a matter of fact, he did not possess one, thus fulfilling literally our Lord's words, He that hath two coats, let him give to him that hath none. His colleagues were often displeased at his poverty-stricken appearance, and regarded his shabby clothes as a reflection upon their dignity. These fault-finders could easily have learned that the patched garments of the hero of brotherly love commanded the respect of all who knew Vianney's real character. Wherever he appeared he was received with the utmost respect and cordially greeted by all. He offered up to God all his mortifications for the welfare of his people, increasing these exercises habitually as Easter approached, and whenever it was a question of touching the heart of a hardened sinner. He joined prayer to fasting. At two o'clock in the morning he arose and said the night office of the breviary. At four o'clock he entered the church to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and then said his Mass. After Mass he gave instruction in catechism and heard confessions. So steadily was he occupied in this work that he seldom left the church until noontime. He devoted the afternoons to visiting the sick, and spent the rest of the day in the church where, to the edification of all, he held evening devotions in public. What could the Lord refuse to such self-sacrificing love? Vianney himself used to say, I obtained from him everything that I wanted. The progress in the spiritual condition of the congregation at Ars necessarily became known in the surrounding country and Father Vianney's fellow-priests of other parishes begged him to help them in the pulpit and confessional. These requests Father Vianney never refused, so that in the space of two years he became the real apostle of the cathedral circuit. So great was the success of his spiritual labors, that the faithful who desired his assistance no longer waited until he should come again to their parishes, but themselves visited him at Ars. Soon the high road to Ars was filled with pedestrians and vehicles carrying a great number of visitors, and this procession of pilgrims increased when reports were spread of the miracles which took place at Ars. End of chapter 2